And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, hello, and welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host. And if you're a repeat listener to The Mentors, which I hope you are, you know our goal is to challenge your thinking about life and work. We do so by interviewing guests with varied and distinct backgrounds. And boy, today do we have a varied and distinct background to talk about. Today's guest challenges my thinking on how she could have accomplished so much, so varied, and so uniquely talented. I've known this lady for probably 25 years. I consider her a close friend. But she also amazes me in all the things she does and continues to do. She's family-oriented, she's socially conscious, show business savvy, and is perhaps the best way to describe Sherry Alberoni Van Meter. She's a veteran of the entertainment industry, having been a child star and an adult performer in television and film, most notably as an original musketeer on the classic 1950s Disney TV show, The Mickey Mouse Club. Sherry has, in the last three decades, been involved in a host of charitable work, community efforts, church activities, while holding down a a full-time job of wife, mother, and grandmother. So it's going to be exciting to hear this. I have with me today uh, my son, Andrew Brutico, who I've interviewed before on this show. He's a longtime Disney employee, a real fan of Sherry, and um, he's offered to help me co-host with Sherry. So hello, Andrew. How are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Pop. It's great to be here, and I'm so excited to talk to Sherry today. Well, I think we, knowing Sherry as we both do, I know that this show is going to be unpredictable, but uh, if we can get a little background on her work and some of the interesting stories of the things she's seen over the years, I will consider it a success. What do you think? I think that'll be a home run if we can get that. <laughs> Looking forward. So, all, yeah. so all right, uh, this promises to be interesting and exciting. Uh, Sherry's truly a wise person who meets my personal description of wisdom, which is knowledge modified by experience over time. And for me, in fact, life is just about wisdom. So write down this number, 844-610-8265. That's 844-610-TALK. Call at any time, 24-7, and leave a comment or a question for any of us or our guests. I am confident that Sherry will challenge your thinking today. Also, you can listen to any of these shows on www.thementorsradio.com, as well as read show notes from today's show. Well, that's enough talking. Let's get on with the show. So, hello, Sherry. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm great. Hi, Andy. How's everybody doing? Great, well, Sherry. Th- Honor to talk to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're... we're we're, uh, I would say it's an honor to talk to you too, Sherry, but you and I have talked so many times over the years. It's, it's like kind of the thousandth honor to talk to you. So, and, and, and I might even start off by telling everyone that uh, Sherry and I have belonged to organizations together. We've gone to the same church together. We've been involved in a number of activities. But mostly I've had Sherry a couple of times be an MC for me at uh, major conferences and events. And I have to tell you, and I say this with all candor, she has got to be the best, the funniest, the most entertaining, and the most well-prepared. So I've really enjoyed having you all that on all those things, Sherry, and I and I want to thank you uh, in front of everyone right now. So oh, thanks thank very you. much for, I, I appreciate for all that. that Rick. Thank you very much. And I think most of the time we didn't pay you, did we? <laughs> no. <laughs> out of the, you know, love for you. Yeah, we always we always miss that part, didn't we? <laughs> Well, it is one of the things we want to talk to you about, but to get started with this, we only got about uh, three or four minutes before our break, but um, Andrew, you were interested in something about Sherry's background, so maybe you're a good one to kick this off. Well, I had a couple of questions. I know, Sherry, your, your folks are from Kentucky originally, and I know you, but you were born in Cleveland, and I heard a story, and tell me if this is true or not, that it was your mother's influence or, or maybe a health or asthma or something like that that brought you out to California. Is that true? Yes, yes. Um, I, I was born in Cleveland, and uh, my mom was from Kentucky. My father was, uh, came from Italy and landed up in uh, uh, Salem, 
and then on to uh, Cleveland, and um, where he worked for my mother's brother-in-law in his bicycle shop. And my mom had very bad asthma, which is uh, pretty prevalent, I guess, in the Ohio Valley there. So when I was about 11 months old, the, my mom's doctor said, you know, if you want to you know, see your kids grow up, you better get out where the, the air is cleaner, um, out to either California or Phoenix. So my mom said, I've always wanted to see Hollywood and the Pacific Ocean, so let's go to California. And that's what they did. Uh, they were not showbiz savvy. They weren't. Uh, my, my mom had been a, um, a, a dancer, and, uh, you know, she, uh, she, she wasn't a Hollywood stage mother or real knowledgeable. But um, when we came out here to California, we moved to Westchester, which is over by the L.A. airport, L.A. International. But back then, in uh, 1946, it was the L.A. airport, and I think we had just uh, TWA and Pan Am. And, you know, a big thrill on Saturday nights was sitting on the hood of the car and looking up and watching the airplane go over, you know, uh, by the chain link fence. It was very small time, small town, um, California, Southern California. And my um, my mom, she was a dancer, and um, my brother and I, you know, she said we could like to take gymnastics and dancing and baton twirling and just different activities. And so I guess I, apparently I was a bit of a ham. Uh, and, apparently, um, I think you still uh, have that trait today. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I said, "Yes, I want to dance. I want to dance." And I, you know, I loved looking at myself in the big mirror in the dance studio. And uh, one day an agent uh, came along and was looking for kids to put into movies and TV shows and um, kids who were unique or cute or talented or whatever. And I guess my brother and I fit the bill and she signed us to be her clients. And uh, that's where, where it all began. Well, what do you, what do you, what do you think about the, uh, that, Andrew? Does that kind of get us on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. I I'd heard something about your mother had been a. Uh, I think your aunt I read was a in burlesque, and that your right, mother was know, a yeah. dance hall girl. Is that correct? Right. But, yeah, but I was just she wondering. Was. She went. When you took all these classes and different things, was there any thought that you might be in entertainment, or was this just something you wanted to do? Oh, it was something I wanted to do. I mean, I, I remember that when my aunt came out to California, and uh, there was a television show. Was it the Babe Cooley show, or uh, I don't know, was some, it, they used to film at the old um, Santa Monica Ballroom, and my aunt, who you know, could have been a stage mother if she had any children, she uh, said, Sherry, you know, I'll buy you a, a, a fur coat, a little rabbit coat, if you, know, you want to, if, if you go on television, and I remember started, my mom said that I started to cry and say, no, I don't want to get into that box. I don't want to get in the box. I thought that's what I had to do. Uh, and so they finally convinced me, and uh, then I, I started going on auditions. And my brother Roy, who was is, uh, two and a half years older than me, Roy worked at first a lot more than I did. Uh, he was a great drummer and tap dancer, and uh, I was you know, his little sister. And... Um, I'll have to tell you the story about uh, becoming a Mouseketeer and how if it wasn't for Roy, I never would have been a Mouseketeer. Well, let's save that till after the break because okay. we're coming up on it right now. And I, I really do would like to start there. But I also think that uh, you're, if I recall correctly, you did some modeling before that too, didn't you? Just as a I kind did. of a yes little or no. Kid. I thought you were a child model or something. I was. I had little kids, you know, commercials uh, in magazines and newspapers and, you know, with a box of raisins or uh, modeling clothes. And um, that was kind of what I guess where how I really began doing uh, you know doing that and getting in front of an audience and learning not to be stage shy getting getting in touch with the public so we'll pick that up when we come back we have to go to a break right now and we'll talk with uh, Miss Sherry Alberoni Van Meter and she'll tell us how she became one of the original Mouseketeers.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. I'm so glad to have you with me today. I, also with me is Andrew Brutico, my son, but also a longtime Disney employee and one of the original Mouseketeers, Sherry Alberoni Van Meter, where we're just talking before the break about how Sherry got into show business, and she's promised us that she's going to tell us how she met Mr. Disney. So, uh, Sherry, can you pick it up there for us? I sure can. Uh, as I was saying, my, my brother Roy and I, we started doing small parts, uh, modeling and commercials, and then little small parts on television. And uh, our agent was never a studio would call the agents in Hollywood and say, we're looking for, you know, six-year-old, eight-year-old, whatever, uh, with blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, she would send us out on these auditions. Well, in 1955, Walt Disney was uh, building, of course, his Disneyland, which opened on July 17, 1955. But in the, the can before that was um, plans for a television show, and it was going to feature a, a group of kids, dancing and singing kids. And so Walt Disney sent out his casting directors all across the country, and they auditioned uh, over 5,000 kids and went to dancing schools and, you know, that type of thing. And... He wasn't looking for show-busy kids. He didn't want, uh, you know, kids who were uh, little you know, puppets or, um, uh, you know, were flashy. He wanted normal, regular kids, the kids next door. You know, of course, kids next door who could sing and dance, but normal, regular kids. So our agent gets the call, and um, my, she sent my brother Roy because she said that she thought I was too young, that they wanted older kids. And... Um, so my mom takes my brother, and my mom didn't drive, and as I said, we lived in Westchester, and she had to take my brother by bus to Burbank, which there was no freeway then at that time, so anyone who knows uh, Southern California knows that's a long haul. So she took my brother, and um, my brother was a drummer, so I guess, uh, I don't know if they took his drums on the bus with him or if they had drums at the studio, but he played the drums and tap danced, and... Uh, Walt Disney said to him, well, Roy, you know, you're great, you're terrific, but we already have Cubby, Mouseketeer Cubby O'Brien, and Cubby, you know, he plays the drums and tap dances. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. So my brother, who was sharp enough to say, well, Mr. Disney, if you can't use me, maybe you'd like to see my little sister. She can play the trumpet and do a tap dance at the same time. So the 
guys, the casting directors and all, they all started laughing. And they said, yeah, we'd like to see that. So they told my mom to come back the next day. So the next day we get on the bus. And I remember I had on a little red uh, leotard and uh, tutu and a, a black fishnet nylons and my black tap shoes. And I took my trumpet case. And I, uh, I, I went and I sang. The, I played the trumpet and I tap danced at the same time, and I almost knocked out all my teeth, but I, I got the job. And they asked me to sing, and I, I sang a pretty precocious song for a little, you know, eight-year-old little kid. I sang all of me, and um, <laughs> then they looked at my resume and saw that I had done some acting, and, uh, and that was it. And I remember my first day, I became, I became a Mouseketeer. Now, this is uh, for the second year of kids. The first year they had, uh, there was 29 kids, and then they were keeping some, I think they kept nine, and then the, the rest of them they let go, and they were looking for, for some new kids. And um, my first day at the studio, my mom and I are walking down the main street, Disney Lane there, in front of the administration building, and and. Who, well, I'm in my, my uniform, you know, my, with my name in two-inch letters, and um, I, I was just so thrilled. I had my ears on, and here comes Mr. Disney. And here's Mr. Disney, and, I, and, I, and he yells, Oh, little Musketeer Sherry, and he waves at me. And I squeezed my mom's hand, and I said, Oh, Mama, Mama, Mr. Disney knows me. And she didn't want to let me know. She didn't want to break my heart and say, well, honey, Mr. Disney can read, you know, because I had, was wearing my name. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was, you know, a big thrill for me. And he was just, I, I, I think I looked at him then as very grandfatherly. He was just the nicest man. He was on the set with us. He would stand there behind the camera and just watch and have a, you know, a little smile on his face watching us. And uh, uh, he was very, very happy with the show. And it was a very expensive show to put on. Someone had said it was like $65,000 a show, which that was a lot of money. And we Mouseketeers got paid $150 a week. And that was more money than my, my dad was making at the time. Uh, but my, the, my agent um, had told my mom what, how they, they work and how you do is that every six months you have to go down to the Board of Education in Los Angeles. And you're, you're, you have a physical with the doctors there. And you're, they want to make sure we're, kids are in children that we were healthy. And that, um, that uh, I remember them looking at my fingernails to see if I bit my nails to see if I was nervous and, you know, uh, high-strung or anything. And they'd ask if we were being forced to work, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, of course, I was, was not being forced to work. And the whole Disney atmosphere was of playing, really. It, I, I had worked before, as I said, and, you know, it, it was never slave labor. It wasn't digging ditches. It wasn't work, work. It was fun work. I was with a bunch of other kids. We went to school together on the set, on, on the, uh, the studio in Burbank. We had three hours a day. We had wonderful tutors, and they would get our uh, assignments from our, our public schools, and they, we had to keep up a B-plus average. They were very strict with us on the time. Uh, those three hours were, were work, school work. It wasn't messing around and playing around. And uh, we had two red trailers just outside the the, uh, the set. And whenever they were ready for us, we uh, they would come out, you know, the, the assistant director, and uh, call us. And it's funny because the assistant director turned out in later years to be Ron Miller, who was uh, Walt Disney's son-in-law, who mar he married Diane, Walt's daughter, one of his daughters. And um, I remember Annette had a, the biggest crush on him. He was a handsome USC football player. So anyway. That's who, we, Annette uh, Funicello, right, Sherry? Yes. Annette Funicello, right? Yes, yes, Annette yeah. Funicello. And who, it, you know, Annette was Italian. My father was Italian, and, and our parents got along. And so um, it got to the point of where my dad would uh, drive my mom and I 
to Annette's house in, in Encino, uh, Sepulveda Boulevard to Encino, and then Annette's mother would drive my mom and Annette and I to the studio, and uh, she always called me her little sister. Like I said I was you know, eight, nine, and she was uh, three, I think it was three years older than me. And the older kids at the studio, they were in one of the trailers, and the younger kids, we would be in the other, unless we were all taking Spanish or the same, whatever, the same uh, class, and we would change and go into the other trailer. And um, we were only allowed to be at the studio for eight hours a day. So that was three hours of schooling, one hour for lunch and recreation, and then four hours of actual work, which meant uh, wardrobe, makeup, hairdressing, rehearsal, and in front of the camera. Sherry, out of curiosity, and Andrew, you may probably know this too. This is a quick question before we go to break. Is that the same studio that they have right now, the the one in Burbank, the one I toured, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, same studio. The one that uh, has the the huge statues of the seven dwarfs holding up the administration offices in in the administration building, the same exact studio. It's AJ. It still, you know, has the plaque up for where many of the Mouseketeer bits were done. And it's still kind of the the Mouseketeer stage. Well, we're we're yeah. going to have to pick this up after the break. We're coming okay. up on on a break of the end of this segment, and uh, I hope you're all enjoying the story about a Mouseketeer. I think she was like eight years old when this all happened, but we'll ask her that after the break, and we'll pick up the story of Sherry Alberoni Van Meter and the original Mouseketeer. Stick with us. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal, focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's catholicbusinessjournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world, and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to make today matter. Available everywhere books are sold. Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session free. Go to newcareer.biz. That's newcareer.biz. Newcareer.biz. Let's do this. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. 
So welcome back. We're talking to Disney Mouseketeer, philanthropist, actress, Sherry Alberoni Van Meter. And we're discussing with her her career and how she really met the Disney and Disney family, specifically Walt, and became one of the original Mouseketeers. Um, right, I know, uh, Sherry, that Andrew has a question with regard to this with respect to the lovability of the Mouseketeers. So, Andrew, you want to ask that question and frame it yeah. in the time that they've been around? Sure. Um, so, Sherry, I know that you were second season. I think you were blue team officially, but the show was really only on for about five years. Correct? Yeah. I filmed for three years. Okay. And it was on for five. Right. But even, you know, it was before my time, and yet I know about it. I think the Mouseketeers are beloved, almost royalty, almost, especially on, at Disney. And just wondering, what do you attribute to the longevity and as far as, and the credibility of actually Mouseketeers and how they're beloved figures, sure. even for people who weren't even alive when it was on the air? Right. I think uh, the, the, the main thing, I remember the first year of the show, I wasn't a Mouseketeer. Uh, so I, I, I would sit there in front of the television with my brother with our little plastic ears on, and, oh, oh, isn't that neat? Look, oh, oh, I like that one. Oh, I love that one. And they were normal, regular kids, and we all, the audience, the kids in the audience, we all could watch and dream that, that I, too, could be a Mouseketeer. And I was lucky because I, I lived, you know, in, in uh, Southern California and uh, uh, had an agent. But um, I, I, I think it, it's an iconic show because we were so normal and every child could dream and, and do the, sing the songs. And uh, it was relatable. We were not, uh, like, when they redid the show, I think in the 70s, 80s, whatever, they had all these kids, Justin uh, Timberlake and Britney Spears, incredible talent. But who can sing like that? Who can dance like that? So the normal kids watching it never thought they could be Mouseketeers. And that's why the original Mickey Mouse Club has lived for so many years. And, you know, we still do shows uh, uh, coming up on uh, uh, the 26th, I think it is, of October. Bobby and Cubby and Tommy and Sharon and I will be uh, making an appearance at Disneyland at the, the wonderful World of Disney store that uh, they're reopening. So they still want us to, to be there and to the audience wants to see us and to meet us, mainly, I think, because we knew Walt Disney, and I don't think there's that many people around uh, anymore that can actually say that they met Walt Disney, and I, ha I have pictures of myself with him that I just treasure. Uh, it, it was, you know, I mean, Walt Disney, Americana, apple pie, the flag, all of the, the wonderful things that, that uh, I treasure and that so many of us treasure, um, and what happened yeah, you know, I, I was still. I had my agent, and so uh, the fir I did the first year of the show, and then there was a little girl named Chris Cost Costello, and her daddy was Lou Costello of Abbott and Costello fame. And for some reason, I guess it was my list that I had. Uh, I was Chris's favorite Mouseketeer. Well, Lou was looking for a little girl to play his daughter in the last film that he was going to make with Bud Abbott. It was called Dance with Me, Henry, and Chris pointed to, her, to me on the show and said, Daddy, that's the little girl I like. Well, he calls up Walt Disney and, and buys my contract at, at the end of the, uh, my year. And I, I was blessed because I never had that, oh, no, I'm a has-been before I've been a been. You know, I, I, I'm <laughs> without a job type of thing. I, because I left the Mickey Mouse Club on a Friday and on Monday went to work at Hal Roach Studios uh, for uh, Lou Costello and worked there for six weeks. And then from there went on to do the Ed Wynn show. And I loved Abbott and Costello. They were, they were just hysterically funny and nice and kind. And from there uh, went on to do the Ed Wynn show with another just great, great gentleman, great actor, Ed Wynn. I played his granddaughter on his television show. And then from there on uh, to do the Donna Reed show and the Danny Thomas show and the George Goebel show and uh, the Real McCoys and Dobie Gillis and the Monkees and all of these, you know, wonderful television shows uh, that were good and, and clean and family uh, entertainment for so many years. And um, I, I was really blessed because I met an awful lot of, of great, great 
performers. I, uh, I did the Bob Hope show in Vietnam. Uh, I made two trips to Vietnam in 1968 and 69 to entertain our troops. And, um, you know, met Jerry Colonna and um, Jimmy Stewart, who was uh, uh, just unsung hero in, in Vietnam. People didn't even know that he was there, and he and his wife would just tour and go to the different bases. Uh, Martha Ray was another one who was, uh, she was in the, in the military, and she was a nurse, and she would, uh, I mean, I, I saw the tent that that woman was sleeping in, uh, you know, out in the field. It was just, it was just amazing. No, no Hollywood uh, um, egos and, uh, you know, the glamour of Hollywood uh, was wasn't there, but that era of people, Rick, like you always say, the, the golden years, um, it, it was very different. I mean, there wasn't the millions and millions of dollar paychecks that you know people are fighting over, and, and uh, uh, at that time, I mean, of course, you know, uh, the kind of money we were making was big money. Like I said, I made more than my dad, but it, it was big money at the time. But, uh, well, Sherry, know, let me we, let me interjecting. Yeah. There, there's a there's sure. a, a thought that I had, and I think that Andrew kind of led in, and you kind of said that you knew Mr. Disney, and you had pictures taken with him, and people were like. I think that's oh. really true, and I think I guess I'm going to say it, but ask you. It seems to me that the the catch-all that made it so unique was. Even then, Disney was thought of as a family. It was all of our family. We all watched the Disney show on, on Sunday nights. We right. all went to Disneyland, which was our family park. I mean, it seemed to me we, we consider ourselves part of the family. Obviously, Disney's such a huge corporation now. We can no longer say that. But do you think the family influence, because what, you know, the people you've been rattling off now, they all were... Uh, very much thought to be part of the family, whether yeah. whether it was in any of these shows you talked about, but there were wholesome shows that we all enjoyed and thought we were part yeah. of. So Completely. what do you think of that? And, and know, we only have a, a few seconds for you to answer that, I'm sorry to say. Oh, but. Okay, well, I'll, I'll save my, my story about, you know, how I was raised in Hollywood to, you know, keep uh, kind of a level head. But, yes, it, it was family. And I remember back at, at, on the studio lots at Disney, if someone in the crew said the word hell or something as you know, as little as that, they were gone the next day. I mean, the, the studio was so very protective of us, and it was a clean, decent, good, happy, wonderful atmosphere, and I have nothing but fond, happy memories of, of growing up in, in Hollywood. It was, it was just wonderful. It was magical, and that's a word that's always connected with Disney, magical. And that's exactly what it was. And, you know, to this day, Cubby and I do shows on the cruise ships, and people come up and say, oh, oh, it was it was just so magical to meet you. And, you know, the, I guess because we all grew up together and we're all on a first-name basis, and it is family. It, it's, um, you know, I'm never Miss Van Meter or Mrs. Van Meter or Miss Alberoni. I'm Sherry. Well, we, we we need to interrupt you there, Miss Van Meter, Miss Alberotti, <laughs> Jerry, because our break is hitting us right square in the face. So stick with us all. We'll hear more of this story and especially hear about how Sherry managed a career, decades career in show business and still is the Sherry Van Meter that I know. Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. 
Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, thanks for staying with us. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, and we're interviewing Sherry Alberoni Van Meter, one of the original Disney Musketeers and an accomplished actor, actresses, whatever right word you go by there, uh, in in her own right. And she's telling us about this. And Sherry, I want to pick up a little bit on on when you toured with Bob Hope, what a famous uh, person that is and what a wonderful reputation he had. And... um, you said you toured in Vietnam. I was there in the time that you were there. You said 68 and 69. Right. I believe you went to Cameron Bay. If you did, uh, I was my company was in charge of setting up that for the show. I remember it very clearly. Uh, and uh, putting you know the sound effects and working with the crew. They oh, had a professional boy, crew, yeah. of course, and all that. Um, but you didn't even get me a front row seat. So, But t- 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 tell us a little, bit, a little bit about the touring. And please... Uh, touch on the personalities of some of these people. Sure. I, I know you've okay. s- some stories about people who have given back so much, and we'd like to hear that too. So, go sure. ahead. You, you know, so, some of these shows we we do for maybe uh, 130, 140,000 guys. Uh, other times, we'd get in a helicopter and go up to some little LZ, some little landing zone, and maybe see you know ten Marines or something, and you know pose for pictures or give them a picture. And a lot of times, they'd give us their home numbers and say, "Will you call my mom and t- tell her you?" saw me and I'm okay. And um, it, it was, I, I went, I made two trips to Vietnam. Once I went with Johnny Grant, and who was a, a television radio host. And then another time I, uh, after that, I came back and a couple of weeks later, went back with my own show. It was the Sherry Alberoni show. And I took a band and um, then, and then we hooked up with the Bob Hope show and toured with them and, and did the Christmas show. So that was such a thrill. And Bob Hope, my Gosh, what a guy! I mean, all the the, the years and years of, of shows and just he was a, a gentleman and funny and kind and wonderful and gave so much to so many as Walt Disney did. And but there were many people who did. You know, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Elizabeth Taylor. These people who you you always you know you'd hear about the scandal you'd hear about you know who they were going out with or whatever but you never heard about how they had uh, beds at cedar sinai that that no matter what went in there if it was a broken hand to uh, you know a life-threatening disease they picked up the tab uh, as i said wow. jimmy stewart uh going to vietnam not with a, a bunch of uh, guards and you know fanfare just with him and his wife going and 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 going to the hospitals, going from bed to bed to bed, shaking the hands of the soldiers and, and talking to them. So the, Hollywood was a very different place than the way it is today. It was, um, I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, I'm not Pollyanna, I'm sure that there was all sorts of stuff going on. And, and, and um, you know, it, it's just that in the 50s and the 60s, life was different. Our, our lives were very different than our kids, uh, our grandchildren's kids will be. Uh, and then the way the, the world is now. But Hollywood was a wonderful, fun, happy place. And uh, it uh, it's kind of lost some of that, I, I think. And it's well, I think bad. you, you talked was, about it in the last segment when you were talking about Disney, and you said, if I can quote you again, you said it's magical. I think we all thought of Hollywood as magical, and we thought of the, the yeah. stars. I mean, there was a few that we always heard about. But for the most part, we looked up to them. And Andrew, you had a, a question in this regard about th- that. you, you want to ask Jerry and get that in? Yeah, I mean, well, holy cow, there's been so many things you've done. We barely even scratched the surface of your voiceovers and super friends and Josie and the Pussycats and all of those things. But one thing I did want to know is nowadays in Hollywood, a lot of times we hear 
word about kind of empowerment and about me. And the word I don't hear much of is gratitude. And one of the things I love about your career and all the things you've done is kind of giving back. And you don't, you didn't seem to fall into the trap of being apathetic about life. And you're very positive. And I just want to know, is there, what have you learned, if anything, from the entertainment industry about service to others or giving back or gratitude in life that you've walked away from you know, or others Andrew, did not? You know, uh, it all goes back to my family. I, I had my two brothers, my mom and my dad. And I can remember one of the first things my mom saying to me, we were going on an audition, and I didn't know what an audition was. I thought I'd just stand up there and smile and wave and whatever. But my mom said, if you get this part, it's not because you are cuter or smarter or more talented than the other little girls. It's because God wants you to get this part. And if you don't get the part, it's not because you're not as cute or smart or talented. It's because God has a different plan. He doesn't want you to get this part. You'll get something else. And if you don't, fine. So that was how I, how I was raised. I mean, like I said, those are some of my first memories. And um, I, I remember doing shows with my brother and I when I was six, seven years old, tap dancing to, uh, over at uh, different parishes to build, raise money to build the, the new you know, hall, for the, the community hall for the parish, or doing a show at B'nai B'rith Children's uh, Orphanage in, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. We did shows at hospitals. Uh, whenever someone wanted to put on have a show for whoever, you know, they'd call the dancing studios, they'd call the agents, and my brother brother and I would be thrilled to get to do them. And um, so we, we learned at a young age that you give back, that everything we have, everything is a gift, is a gift from God, and we only have things because our, our, our families work hard and love us. We, we were very, very special, and I was treated as a princess, not because I was the money maker, I was the, I was the breadwinner, not because any of those things, but because I was my parents' child, my, their beloved child. And that's kind of, you know, stuck with me. And when I, you know, grew up and I, you know, thinking about getting married, I looked for somebody like my dad, honesty and, and uh, ambition and dependability. And my husband's a, a, a doctor, and I, I didn't marry a rich doctor. I married a poor medical student, and my mom <laughs> loved him. His name is Richard, and my mom loved Richard because she said, he doesn't need you to be a doctor, with or without you, and your Hollywood, and your working, and, and any your, you know, your, your uh, whatever you have in Hollywood. With or without you, he will be a doctor. And she loved that about him, that he wasn't a user. He wasn't looking to me to introduce him uh, to a producer or to get a part, um, you know, which Hollywood became. It, it wasn't what you know. Uh, it uh, It's who you know. That happened through the years, and I saw that happening, and that was sad. Uh, Hollywood has changed uh, through the years, but just—I was just taught to be grounded, and that it wasn't a life; it's a job. And I was no different than a little girl who babysat, or the you know the kid that had a paper route or whatever. Uh, we were just normal, regular kids who. Um, you know, just having fun. And uh, I remember when I was about 16, I guess, I back-talked or smart-mouthed my mom or something. And my mom, I stood there as my mom called my agent and said, um, this is uh, you know, Gertie, and I just wanted to tell you that uh, Sherry is not going to be accepting any more auditions until she uh, learns how to talk to me. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, talk later. And that was it. I didn't go on auditions for months. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's the that. kind of grounding that leads to where you are today. And uh, we're coming up against a break again. Uh, so uh, uh, stick with us because we're going to ask Sherry about how she gave back, where some of the specific things she did and what made it her life, her life, as, as I said in the opening, as a mother, as a, a socially conscious person, as a show business savvy person. Um, this is the kind of stuff that is really great and great to hear about still exists in our world today. So stick with us. We'll be back with Sherry Alberoni Van Meter right after these words. Hey, there's something new for you at the mentorsradio.com website, a new special offers page. There you'll find unique offers available only to our listeners, you. For example, have you ever wondered if a career coach could help you get to the next level? Find out. For a limited time, a superb career coach is offering you a free session. 
The offers change all the time, so bookmark TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. TheMentorsRadio.com. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier, a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. Bullyofasia.com. Do you want to make a difference in your life? Can you do it in your current job, or do you need a career change? I'm Lucy Claire Curran, and I want to be your new career coach. I excel in creating breakthrough aha moments for my clients, but see for yourself. For a limited time, get a full coaching session at no cost. One session free. Go to newcareer.biz. That's newcareer.biz. Newcareer.biz. Let's do this. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic Heroic Leadership and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to make today matter. Available everywhere books are sold. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back again, and thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host. I'm working with Andrew Brutico, a longtime Disney employee, and most importantly, we're interviewing actress Sherry Alberoni Van Meter, who is just telling us about what it's like to be one of the original Musketeers in a long, long career in film, radio, voiceover, etc., So um, welcome back. Stick with us. And go ahead, Andrew. I know you have another question for Sherry. Yeah, Sherry, just to wrap it up, because there's so many things that you've done, obviously. But how would you like to be remembered by future generations? Oh, gosh. I I think I'd I'd like to be remembered as someone whose work made made people smile and gave them happiness. But uh, most importantly, uh, I, I think I want people to remember that I was, I'm a, I'm a woman of God uh, who cherishes her family. Uh, I have I've been married for 47 years. Marriage does work. I come from an Irish Italian family. I lived at home until um, you know Richard and I got married, and um, you know I you, you you learn that you you fight it out and you work it out and you make it happen. And um, I'm you know very blessed to have a, a wonderful husband, and we have two daughters, Casey and Kelly, and the best part of the whole thing is I have got the four most perfect, beautiful grandchildren in the entire world, <laughs> Roma and Massimo and Cole and Cora. And they go to school together and um, uh, our parish school. And um, they have learned, and they, they, the kids have started a, um, uh, a nonprofit, and they go and they visit the, the, um, the they go around McDonald House, and they work at the food pantry. So the kids have, are learning and have learned to kind of pay it forward, you know, to, to, to give uh, and give everything in the name of God. Um, we work at Catholic charities. 
um, uh, my husband, Rich, and I are uh, very blessed to be in the Order of Malta. We're in obedience in, in the Order, and every year we uh, accompany uh, 50 terminally or seriously ill people to Lourdes in the south of France. Uh, and you know, we just try to uh, to always remember that uh, we are here only by the by the grace of God. And when, while we can do things and help people, we've got to do it. Do it. And I think our our real big mission is the uh, St. Michael's Abbey, the Norbertine Fathers of Orange County. Uh, this abbey of, of men are just, uh, you, when you're with the Norbertines, you know that you are uh, on holy ground and you are with holy, holy men. And uh, we're building a new abbey for them. And uh, they have, they caught our daughters at Santa Margarita Catholic High School. They've um, just uh, taught us so much about uh, our, our religion, uh, and um, we're, we're just very blessed to be involved with the Norbertine Fathers. And Well, um, well Sherry, let me interject, interject right there, because uh, we are running out of time as the show comes to an end, and I know that you have uh, raised... Uh, been involved in raising millions of dollars, uh, not only for the Norbertines, but for churches, schools, and other other uh, non-religious organizations. I know you were worked with the Girl Scouts and the uh, Orange County Hospital and just a number, Medical Association, National Charity, it goes on and on and on. And one of the things I want to get out to you before we close the program, and that's this. Uh, my saying is, so I won't be doing it at the end of the program today, is every day in every way make the world a little better. So if you're passing on Something, one or two things that you would say to the listeners of this show, to me and to Andrew, um, what would they be? And uh, as I said, we only have a few seconds for this. Oh, honesty. Honesty is so important to be honest to ourselves, to know who we are and what we are and why we are, and to raise our, our children. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when, when we're gone to our just reward, whatever that may be, that we leave good children. We, we leave good grandchildren that the kids look back and say, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I remember my grandma, my grandpa, they said this and they did this. And, um, you know, they, they taught me that. And I, I think that's the most important thing. Our legacy is, is what we leave. And uh, if we aren't, aren't blessed with children or grandchildren, then you just want people to remember you as a decent, God-loving, God-fearing, decent, honest human being. I, I can't think of anything that uh, is, is more well, important the, than that. And that, there's not much more that we can say than that. Uh, that's as far as as far as the time we've got. But more importantly, it's, it's the 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 summit of what we've been discussing today. So thank you so much, Sherry, for being with us. Thanks for telling us your story. Please go to the mentorsradio.com. That's www.thementorsradio.com, where you can hear this broadcast and you can also read some of the show notes of today's show. Thanks for listening and join us again next time. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.